Well, Father in heaven, we want to just begin our morning acknowledging your goodness to us, your love for us, your grace, and your mercy in our lives. Father, you tell us that in your word that this is the day you've made and we should rejoice and be glad in it. And we know that as we study this book and as we just consider the own experience of our lives, Lord, there is, there is much suffering um, around us. But, um, Father, despite that suffering, Lord, we uh, anticipate um, what we're going to celebrate this Sunday, and that is Easter, an arisen Lord who is victorious over sin and death. And because of a living Savior, Lord, we can rejoice and be glad in this day. And despite the sorrow and the pain around us, we can have hope. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And um, I thank you for these men who would rise up early out of the desire to want to know you more and, uh, and to serve that risen Lord. And so uh, we're humbled by your grace, Lord, and uh, we're, we're grateful, Father, for your many blessings in our lives, the gift of fellowship, a place like this in which to meet each week, and um, the truth of your word. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Make your way on in, fellas. <clears throat> well, as many of you know, we are um, we're making our way through the book of Job here. And this has been a, a long road, I know. And I remind myself often, hey, look, this book is just as inspired as the book of Romans, right? And there are a lot of chapters in here, and maybe God has wanted to teach me something. And so I just need to hang in there and continue to read and learn from <clears throat> the... Um, the principles that he has laid out for us here. And I want to just kind of help you get, again, a, a big picture view of where we've been and, and where we are right now. I think sometimes it's helpful to, to take a step back, just to remind you of where we've been. As you know, uh, just a real quick way to summarize the book of Job is to do so. I, I do three Ds. starts with Job's dilemma, and we know what uh, that is, that he lost his family and his health and all of his resources and um, and then you've got the, the debates, and there's three cycles of debates, and then it ends with uh, Job's deliverance. But what I want to do is, is I want to show you these three cycles of debates right here. I want to show you, again, just that there's symmetry here. Remember, the book opens with prose. It cl- closes with prose, but in the middle there, the large portion of this book, it is a poetical book, and there's symmetry in these debates. And so, uh, if you will, look at this slide right here. You'll see that the first cycle, you'll see... There's Eliphaz, Job's reply, Bildad, Job's reply, and Zophar. And then you have the second cycle of debates. And then the third cycle of debates. For some of you here a few weeks ago when I spoke on this on Sunday, I mentioned this. And so where are we right now? Well, we've worked through these three cycles of debates where these, these friends of Job have come and tried to offer an explanation as to why he was suffering. We talked about on that Sunday things they did well and, and things they did poorly there. But we're, we're getting to the latter... Um, portion of this book now, and we finish the cycles of debates, and in chapter 29, Job takes what I call his last stand, all right, this is his monologue, he kind of gives one last final word here in these chapters we've been reading this week, before another friend, Elihu, arrives on the scene, we'll talk about him next week, he kind of gives a word of advice, and then the Lord jumps in. Okay, so that's where we are. We've gone through these three cycles of debates, and then this week now we've been uh, reading about Job's last stand. And that's where uh, I want to focus this morning, and that's specifically on chapter 29. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to, to Job 29. And my job here is not to, 
to teach you uh, each chapter or summarize necessarily what uh, these in depth what these uh, chapters have been that we've read this week, but um, to set the table for you so that when you do gather in your groups, you can have a profitable discussion. And um, and I want to walk you through chapter 29, and then I want to tell you uh, one way in which I want to encourage you, your group to consider the truths of this chapter. You know, oftentimes when we are um, struggling, uh, suffering, or just experiencing great pain, one of the things we'll do, I know I've done, is is we have a tendency to look back and go, man, I remember, I remember like days before when things were good. And this in chapter 29 is, is Job's reflection of days gone by. And um, look with me in verse uh, 1 and 2. It says this. And Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months gone by, as in the days when God watched over me. You hear what he's saying right there? He's now reflecting, just going, man, I remember the good old days. And he goes on verse, through verse 6, saying, When his lamp shone over my head, and, my, and by his light I walked through darkness. As I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, and my children were around me, when my steps were bathed in butter and the rock poured out from streams, from me, uh, from streams of oil. What's he saying there? He's looking back and he's going, I remember when friendship with God marked my home. I remember the good old days when God felt close. When every time I opened up God's word, I felt like he was speaking right to me. When every time I prayed, I felt like he heard my prayers. They weren't bouncing off the ceiling. God and I were close. Every time I heard... Todd speak on Sunday morning, I got chills, right? Every time the worship was led, man, I was the first to stand up and sing. I remember when walking with God felt sweet. Those were the good old days. Then he goes on in verses 7 through 11, he talks about, I remember when I felt respected by others. When I went out to the gate of the city, when I took my seat in the square, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the old men arose and stood. The princes stopped talking and put their hands over their mouths. The voice of the nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to their palate. For when the ear heard it, it called me blessed, and when the eye saw, it gave witness of me. Man, I had the respect of others. They, they sought me for counsel. When I spoke, people listened. Verses 12 through 17, he talks about how he remembers how he was able to make an impact in the lives of others. Man, gone are these days when I was able with full strength to minister to other people. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the orphan who had no helper. The blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me. And I made the widow's heart sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. And I investigated the case which I did not know. And I broke the jaws of the wicked and snatched the prey from his teeth. Hear what he's saying there? There was a day where I felt like I was a force for good. There was a day which I felt like what I did had an impact on the lives of others. There was a day in which I was able to minister in full strength to other people and make a difference. To rise up in the morning and help people, bless people by my efforts. And those days are gone. 
There was a day when the future once looked bright. Look at verses 18 and 20. Then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My root is spread out to the waters, and dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is ever new with me, and my bow is renewed in my hand. There was a day when the future looked bright, when things looked good. And then finally, 21 and 25, when his counsel was sought by others. To me they listened and waited and kept silent for my counsel. After my words, they did not speak again, and my speech dropped in them, on them. And they waited for me as for the rain, and opened their mouth as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they did not believe, and the light of my face they did not cast down. I chose a way for them and sat as chief, and dwelt as a king among the troops, as one who comforted the mourners. So chapter 29, he is looking back and going, man, I look back at those days when I was able to feel a relationship with God that spurred me on, when I felt respected by others, when when others looked at me for counsel, when I felt like I could make a difference in people's lives. And man, those days are over. Now I'm stripped of everything. I'm laid bare. God feels distant. Friends don't respect me. Now they're accusing me falsely of things that they feel like I've done wrong. And that's why uh, they feel like I'm suffering. And he's looking back and going, man, it is all changed. I heard a man once say, the past must be a rudder to guide us and not an anchor to hold us back. Let's say that again. He said, the past must be a rudder to guide us and not an anchor to hold us back. And as I was reading chapter 29, I just sat there and I thought about that little statement. And I thought about how oftentimes uh, in my life, the past serves either as a rudder or it serves as an anchor. There's times it serves as a rudder, and I learn from my mistakes. I grow from my experiences. I mature from my suffering. It serves as a rudder. It's beneficial to me. But then there's other times, gang, if I'm honest, that you know the past serves more like an anchor, or guilt and shame, or the same cycles of sin and temptation, or you name it. It, it holds me back from being the the man God has called me to be. And so I want to offer you two challenges as as we wrap up this morning. Two challenges just for you to consider with your group. Because I know that for many of you, as you look back in the past, one of two things happens. You either look back and it serves as a rudder, or you look back and it serves as an anchor. So my question for you as you get in your groups is this. One, to what degree does your past Hinder your progress in becoming the man God has called you to be. To what degree does your past hinder your progress in becoming the man God has called you to be? So you can look back at your, at your past and you go, man, those were the good old days. This thing, the past was great. When I look back, I don't feel shame. I don't feel guilt. I feel great. You're still talking about how great you were in high school, right? And, and that's great. But sometimes looking back at the past, that can actually hinder the progress of who God wants you to be in the present. You know, right when, um, you, know, you know my story well, I talk about it often, but I'm telling you, in those first initial days when my son was sick, I would look back in the past and I'd go, man, I, I just long for those days again. And it was hindering me from being the leader I needed to be right there in the present. God wasn't calling me to, to, 
to relive the past. He was calling me to be the, the father and the husband and the leader. I need to be right there in the present. And it's okay to celebrate the past, but man, it was impeding my progress to be the man God was wanting me to be right there in that hospital room. And so even though some of us can look back and go, man, those were the good old days, in what ways does that impede your progress? Or conversely, do you look back with a sense of pain or regret? And because it's, there's pain and regret there, it's like an anchor, and it's keeping you from being the man God's called you to be today. Because you feel like in some way you've blown it. That some way you've crossed this fictitious line that now God can't use you to make an impact on the lives of others. That he can't use you to be the, the husband or the father that you want to be because of some past failures. And the second challenge is this. I couldn't help but, again, read the book of Job in light of what we're going to celebrate this Sunday. As you know, we're going to celebrate Easter. How should the message of Easter inform our view of the past? How should the message of a risen Savior inform your view of the past? That Jesus Christ lives. That he is victorious over sin and death. Man, I, I want to shout into the book of Job sometimes, the message of Easter. How would Job's friends have counseled him differently in light of Easter? How would have Job interpreted his struggles if he knew the story like we know the story of a risen Lord. So I want you to consider those um, two challenges as you get in your group. Personally, on the level of how you're doing, and when you look back in the past, how does that impede your progress, for better or worse? And then also, just in light of the Easter story, how should we view Job's troubles? And what difference would it have made had Job known and fully understood the story of Easter like we're going to celebrate this Sunday. When each of you guys walked in um, this morning, you received one of these cards. And um, this is not for you. <laughs> this is for you to give a friend. And I want to challenge you. Each of you got one. Go back, take three. Have three conversations between now and Sunday. And all it is is simply an invitation for them to come this Sunday, to learn about that risen Lord. We, we obviously live in a, um, you know, in, a, in a broken world where there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, and we're, we've been discussing that through reading the book of Job, and, and we get a chance to speak into that and, and to tell people about Jesus and, and just invite them. It's an easy way to tell them about Jesus. Invite them to come this Sunday. Use this thing. Um, all right? So let me pray for us, and we'll be able to break it into our groups, okay? Well, Father in heaven, I thank you for, um, just as I said, I thank you for Easter. And I pray, Father, that as we look back in our past, Lord, we would stamp the cross right over it. And uh, we would learn from the past. We'd be thankful for the ways in which you've guided us through the past. But I pray that it wouldn't be a hindrance to our progress to being the men you call us to be today. That guilt and shame wouldn't mark our lives, but forgiveness and grace and freedom would. And that we would be a people, Lord, who would be bold in telling others, Lord, of the good news of Jesus Christ. That he lives. And, um, and there's life in a relationship with him. And, uh, Lord, we're humbled again by your love and your grace for us. In Jesus' name.